Well, thank you for being here, and I uh, we, we crossed another milestone. Apparently, we we have hit 100 people uh, that are registered for this school of ministry. So that that's a pretty big milestone, honestly. And, uh, you know, about half of you are even, you know, alert. So that's good. That's another milestone. Amen? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians, if you will. The book of Ephesians, and then we're also going to be looking at uh, the Bill Johnson book, and we'll be uh, in, uh, I think we have the same version, so that's going to be good. But we'll start looking on, uh, begin on page 65, and we'll, we'll give you some more instructions there. But go to Ephesians chapter 1, if you would. Ephesians chapter 1. And let's look at verse 13, and I'll just, uh, you can follow along, take some notes. Uh, really important, a uh, couple of memory aids that will help you. Number one, when I give a reference, if it's here or if it's in church or wherever, the way your mind works, it retains things in the abstract quicker than the concrete. Example, you know where someone lives, you can get to their house, but you don't know their address. So here's a key. When I say, for example, in the Bible, it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 22, before you listen to what I say, write down Matthew 11. Because if you listen or you try to take notes, you will forget it because you see the, the number, the Matthew 11, is in the concrete. The abstract is the, is the text. You'll always forget the reference before you'll forget the Scripture because you'll say, I remember what that Scripture says, but I don't know where it is. So it's just a, a little memory aid. The other thing is, in your Bible, if you take notes, underline things, it's always going to help you. Um, if you use an electronic Bible um, and you've got some system down that, that works for you, that's great. But I just want to encourage you to find ways to make your Bible personal because it's going to be more powerful. Because you may remember the green or blue mark on the page, but you don't remember the chapter and verse. Remember, every step you take in the right direction with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, takes you to another level. Do not ever get discouraged. You say, man, I wish I knew more, or some of this stuff's over my head. Don't worry about that. Take whatever you get and feed on it and let it take you to the next level. Don't worry about it. You will get there. Keep taking the steps. Keep moving the right direction. You'll be fine. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. In him, that's speaking of Christ, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you've also believed, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. All right, now let me just say, tell you what it said. It says, first of all, what the way you came into faith in Christ was by faith. When you came into this relationship with God, God's Spirit came inside of you, and then God sealed you with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now think about it like a, like a door that's sealed with the, the signet ring of a king. And no one can break the signet seal of the king. That's what God did to you on the day of salvation. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. In other words... The sealing was, was good. He doesn't remove a seal. He doesn't remove a spirit. It's called the seal of the guarantee of our inheritance. So 
the fact that you got the Holy Spirit, you see, at salvation, is telling you you're going to get an inheritance one day in glory. Now, that's a, that's a core truth that we understand in the Word of God, right? To be a believer, you have to have the Holy Spirit. You're not a believer because you believe about Jesus. You believe in Jesus. And in that faith, the Spirit of God comes and he lives inside of you. Okay, core truth. We're going to build on that as we go. Now go to verse 15. Therefore, okay, therefore, what's it therefore? He wants you to remember what he's just told you. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for all the saints. All right, now the saints aren't those people that do three miracles. The saints are believers. You're all saints in this room, whether you're saintly or not. Whether you do what's right or not, you're saints because you're there by the truth of God. He sets you apart and says, you are my saints. To the saints, do not cease to give, I do not cease to give thanks for you and mention you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what is, as believers, what does God give you? He gives you the spirit of what? Wisdom and revelation. So wisdom, I get to understand things from God's perspective. Revelation, I get information from God on a regular basis. God is showing me stuff, and he shows it to me in my, starts with a little, with an S, spirit. See, it's not about this. It's not about my mind. My mind has a function, but it's, it's this stuff that happens in my spirit. So look what he says here. He says that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened. So you have physical eyes, right? Did you know you have spiritual eyes, the eyes of your understanding, that you may know what is the hope of the calling and the riches of his glory and the inheritance in the saint, Saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, and uh, that he might and might have dominion over every name that is named, not only in this age, but in which is to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things in the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He says that power that did all of that is in you. Let's go to verse 4, chapter 2. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together. See, that's the new birth, right? You were dead, and now you're alive. Made us alive together with Christ, for by grace have you been saved, and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, then the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So what did he do? He ra- When Jesus raised from the dead, okay, he was seated where? Chapter 1, in heavenly places, far above all principality and power. Okay, that means that they're subject to him. Hello, right? He's not worried about it. He's not worried about principalities and powers, getting the best of him. First, chapter 2, verse 4, And you also he raised up and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you see that, that your, that's your position 
in God is in heavenly places. So as he is far above all principalities and powers, so are you. As I am in this world, so you be in this world. See, you're walking in that, that spiritual power, that authority. Now, as you start to study this and think about this, all of a sudden, God's going to reveal truth to you. And that's why we want to show it. You've got the eyes of your understanding. He's going to show you some stuff. So we're going to walk on this and see. Now, this, I'm going to say the key to this uh, section here is go to page 70, and I want to read it. what I believe is a key to this chapter on page 70. And we'll go kind of walk our way back through it a little bit. This is 70 in the Supernatural book by Bill Johnson, and I believe we're on the same page, all right, if we're fortunate tonight, okay? And it's the first new paragraph on the top of page 70 there. Obedience is a signal to God that says, God, I want to go to the next step. When I do the things of God that God calls on me, that tender heart draws the spirit of revelation to a person or to a body of people. They begin seeing and hearing the things they never heard or saw before. The Bible even says he will seal up the instruction in our hearts in the night while we sleep. So God is speaking to you even in the night when you speak. When, he, when you're sleeping, he's speaking. He says, I'll seal it up. When you start obeying God, guess what God does? He starts opening up your spirit to see and hear from him. Now, keep going with me because this, this is really gets uh, um, very good, very, uh, uh, I think, enlightening. Revelation is for every single believer, not just for some gifted folks. The greater revelation that a person carries, the greater faith he or she is able to exercise. If you believe and you hear and see God speaking to you, what does it do to your faith? Wow, my faith's going up. You know, I used this phrase some time back, and I didn't, I didn't plan it. I just kind of came in when I was preaching. Miracles follow miracles. You start seeing a miracle, you start seeing more miracles. You start seeing God work, you see more, more of God work. All of a sudden, you just start getting, all of a sudden, there's, there's some kind of a law of attraction, and you're just seeing, seeing the supernatural, the spiritual start to unfold. And you see, you know, all of a, I remember when we, the first person that was, I can remember was healed in our church was Sky. And we're just like blown away. And all of a sudden, we start seeing more people. I'm going, oh, I guess this is the new normal. You know, this is the new normal. This is, I like this. And we started to see God doing miracles in other parts of, of what we were doing with getting this building or, or you know, bringing money or just working with the city. By the way, we, we had our second CUP meeting. You know, we had one a year ago, and we got our CUP in seven minutes. And I'm happy to report we had it last night. We got it in under five minutes. So I don't know about you, but if whenever you deal with the city, I think that's a major miracle. You know, that's better than clean, the cleansing of a leper. Um, okay, so let's go on here. If, if I believe it's not God's desire to heal everybody, then my revelation limits me every time a person comes to me who is sick. I'm at a disadvantage if that's what I carry. I have to settle it in my heart. Is it really God's will to heal people? As long as I shun the revelation that God wants everybody to be healed and whole, I have cut myself off from releasing faith in that area. Revelation enlarges the arena that our faith can function in. Deception shrinks our area of faith. If you be believe 
that only the Benny Hens of the world can pray for the sick and get consistent success, then your faith will operate within the limits of that misconception. In other words, God will allow your faith to go no further than you put the limits on it. You limit what God can do. But what, now here's the key, but if Jesus' words come alive to you, as in Matthew 10, where he sent them out two by two and told them to, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and cast out devils, what, and here's the key, this is what I think is the key to this chapter, what if you realize that the lifestyle Jesus lived and taught is meant to be your lifestyle? Revelation would broaden the boundaries for your faith to operate in. So we need to, to operate in this idea that what Jesus said, did Jesus, Jesus said it, did he mean it, or is he tricking us? Because if he's tricking us on this healing thing, maybe he's tricking us on salvation. Do you ever think about it like that? Why can he take me to heaven, but he can't do this other miracle in my life? Why can he take me to heaven and not get me through this situation I'm in? Because it's really just faith, isn't it? It's always faith in what he said. I'm just going to trust you. Sink or swim, do or die, God, I'm going. I'm going forward with you because you said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm just trusting God. I'm going to walk in that truth that you've given me. Um, let's go to uh, a little bit further in this book here. Um, I love this, this idea here on page 71. And it's right in the center. It's a Proverb 25 and verse 2. You've heard me quote this before and, and, and kind of uh, work through it. But at the, the new paragraph at the very top, it says, Revelation is not something you can dig out of a theological book or a study book, study guide. Well, I'm going to learn everything I can about Revelation. That's not how you get it. I have a funny feeling that in this room is probably so much theological inter information, so much study, so much stuff that it gets in the way of what God wants to do. I was going to bring the book, and I forgot to bring it. It's the uh, the story of the, the young guy that was, um, I think it's called um, Awakened in the Night or something like that. It's a st story of the young guy. He was like 12 years old, and his dad was the witch doctor in Mozambique. And uh, he heard a voice. It says, uh, get out of your tent, uh, get out of your house immediately you're, or you're going to die. And he woke up and he thought it was a nightmare. And so he went back to sleep. He heard it again. Third time, he got up and he ran out. He went over to his buddy's house and he said, hey, I heard this, you know, hey, get out of your, your, your house. You're going to die tonight. And buddy says, he said, he said, do you think that was God? He said, I think it was. He said, I do too. Let's go to the jungle. So they ran to the jungle. That night, a neighboring tribe came in and wiped out the entire tribe. Not one single person was left alive. Now, he didn't know that at the time. He kept running. He ran all the way out to the coast. Eventually, he would end up where Heidi Baker is, okay, out on the coast. But on the journey along, he's, they're running along. They're hungry. They're tired. They're afraid. They're afraid to go back. They're afraid to go forward. And they look, and they see this old man, and he's got a, he's got a shovel, and he's just kind of standing there, and he's, they come running up, and they just want to get some food or some shelter. And he, and the, and he says to the, the guy says to him, he says, uh, it's about time you get here. What took you so long? And it's like, what? He says, yeah, oh, yeah. God told me in a vision that you were going to be here. I was looking to wait for two boys. I was to take care of them and teach them about Jesus. So he takes them in. He starts teaching them about Jesus, and they get all excited. Now, they've never seen a Bible, and this dude doesn't have a Bible. All he has is what he's heard from the Bible. 
So he teaches them everything he knows, and these guys get all fired up, and they go out and they start preaching. They don't have a Bible. They don't have a theological degree. They go out and they start preaching Jesus. And all of a sudden, God is all over this one guy. And, I mean, people are getting saved, and he's starting churches. I mean, he doesn't even know what a church is. He's starting churches. You know, he's like 14 years old now. He's out there preaching, you know, and he goes to village to village. He's seeing people uh, healed. He's seeing all this stuff going on. Later, he reflects, later in the book, he reflects on, he said, I was preaching stories that aren't even in the Bible. I'd say the Bible says, he said, I don't even know where I got that story. (laughs) Now, here's the point. The point is not that we should make up stories. The point is not that that somehow, you know, God uses goofy stories in spite of the guy. The point is that he just activated his faith. He just went forward. He went forward the best he could. He said, I had to go back and fix a bunch of stories and, you know, kind of get it all straightened out and everything else. But God, we make the other mistake. We want to be so careful, get so much information, we never do anything with it. He had the opposite. He didn't have any information, not because he didn't want it, but he didn't have it. He just went with what he had. What would happen if you would just go out with what you have? How powerful could that be? Release what you have. Believe what God has to say. All right, now keep going on here. It's not even something you can unravel in the Bible all by yourself. Revelation is locked up in the realm of what the Bible calls a mystery. A mystery cannot be hunted down or strapped or, or, or trapped like an animal. It can't be discovered by persistent searching. It must be revealed. We don't unlock mysteries. They are unlocked for us. That's what revelation is, right? It was revealed to me. That's what, what John refers to as the, in the last book in the Bible, right? The revelation of Jesus Christ. He was revealed to me in all of his glory, and the future was revealed to me. And they are only unlocked and revealed to those who hunger for them. Jesus said it, he concealed truth in parables, so it remained a mystery to some, but not for others. In the same way, he put gold in rocks, and he said, if you want to want it, go find it, dig it out. The Bible says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. So God doesn't leave the great truths just sitting around where everybody can get them. Because he said something about pearls one time. Remember that? Don't throw your pearls, what? Swine, why? You know, why? Is he trying to be kind of like, you know, like, Gross or something? No, he's just trying to say they won't appreciate them. Swine pig looks down and goes, oh, those look tasty. I'll eat them. And so the person who really doesn't want the spiritual truth, he doesn't put them out on the surface. They go, oh, I don't really have any use for that. You ever met somebody who says, well, I read the Bible and I didn't get anything out of it? Well, there's, there's one or two problems. Problem number one is you've never been saved, so you don't have any capacity to understand something. Number two, you haven't spent enough time in it, right, to let God speak. And what will happen is, remember, miracles follow miracles. Hey, guess what? Revelation follows revelation. Once God starts talking, he's going to be shouting. What's that, God? Okay, wow. You showed me that in the Word of God. Wow, you showed me that in life. You showed me that in circumstances. It's really exciting to see what God is up to. Let God speak to you. Let God work in you. Let God kind of move his life in and through you. Um, let's go to, um, let's go over here to, to page 73. Top of the page, it's a uh, 
second new sentence it begins with that opening of the heart determines a level of revelation we receive what do you want to hear how how big will you open up your heart to god Few people I know receive substantial revelations or visitations of God without reckless pursuit. Reckless pursuit. I'm just going to believe God. What if he didn't come through? I don't know. I was, when I was saved, I, was, um, I started reading the Bible, and I, got so, I was, actually read a, bio, a book by, the, by a guy named Hal Lindsey, and it scared me to death. It was about the return of Christ. And I said, you know, I, I mean, I knew he was coming back the next day, and I'm done. I knew it. So I sent it to my buddy. He was a Catholic over at CSU, and I said, I was at UNC, and I said, read this, see what you think. He read it and said, we're both in trouble. I knew he was. He'd done everything I'd done. We were both in trouble. <laughs> well, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. He said, I'm going to get a Bible. I, me too. So I went out, and I got a little New Testament, and I started reading it. And I read the New Testament through four times in the first month. And I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know a Christian to go talk to. I didn't know one. So I did the only prayer I knew how to pray. I said, God, I don't even know if you can hear me. I don't know if you exist. But, God, I believe what I've been reading, you know, and, uh, and I believe all this stuff. You know, I like to tell I didn't hear any angel wings. I didn't hear any heavenly whistles. But I knew something had changed in me. We wandered into a little Baptist church down on the corner. And this guy was up there preaching. And they had this thing called an invitation. And I thought, well, they said, come forward. If you believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus. I wondered why those other people weren't going forward. I didn't know it was just for a handful of people. So I went forward, took me back in a little room. The guy said, what happened to you? And I told him what happened to me. And, and, uh, and, and he, said, uh, um, he said, well, have you ever been born again? And I wasn't the term. I'd read it a couple times in the Bible, obviously, four times. But I hadn't really cared. I said, I don't know, maybe. What does that mean? And then I start quoting scripture. I start laying the scripture. And he goes, well, I think you're saved. And I go, great, what's that? I didn't know the terminology, but God had saved me. God had changed me. And God was working in me. And you know what? I, all I want to do is just get, I want to get more information, more information. Well, my buddy, uh, Gary Fox, he, he also got saved. He was saved. So Gary quit school, and he went to work on a mission farm called Mercy Farms. And what they did was they raised all this vegetables and all this stuff and cattle and livestock, and they sold pies. He ended up marrying the pie maker. It was a great move on his part. And, uh, and, and, and he just gave it all up, and his parents thought he was totally loco, right? So one day he came down to visit his parents, and he called me up, and he said, hey, could you take me down to the bus station? And I said, sure. What time does your bus leave? Uh, we're driving down. He says, I don't know. I go, what do you mean you don't know what time it leaves? He says, well, I don't have a ticket. I said, okay. He said, well, I don't have any money. And I go, well, how are you going to leave? He said, oh, God will provide. I said, well, how much is a bus ticket? I got some money. He said, no, no, no. God told me he was going to pay for the ticket. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Okay, now I'm dropping Gary off at the bus station. I've got the money in my pocket. I can provide. Okay, but he didn't want me to be God. Because God had revealed something to him. Sometimes we thwart the revelations of God when we try to help people, especially our children. We don't teach them to trust. Therefore, they can't learn to trust the Heavenly Father. So anyway, I said, I dropped him off, and I said, okay. And he said, hey, I'll call you when I get up to Fort Collins. I go home. I'm th- all I can think of is Gary's stupid. 
I had eight bucks in my pocket. I could have got him to Fort Collins. Why didn't he take my money? And then the more I thought about it, I thought, I wish I could do that. I want to live like that. Why couldn't I do that? Why do I have to have this stupid Jeep? Why do I have to have money in my pocket? So, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, poor Gary, he's still down at the bus station. I get home, I'm thinking, you know, he's probably still down there, but he's trusting God. 10 o'clock, don't hear from me. 11 o'clock, poor Gary. Get a call. Hey, Phil, how you doing? Hey, I'm great, Gary, where are you? You, st- you still at the bus station? No, I'm up here in Fort Collins. Just thought I'd call you till I'm fine. Well, what happened? Well, you know, it's the funniest thing, Phil. I was sitting in that bus station, and all of a sudden when I was sitting in that bus station, this guy comes walking up to me. And he goes, hey, I know this is going to seem weird to you and, and odd, and I don't mean it to be odd or weird or anything else like that, but I'm sitting over there, and I looked over at you, and God said to me, go buy that guy a bus ticket anywhere he wants to go. So where do you want to go? Gary had the revelation somebody was going to buy it. The guy had a revelation in that moment he was supposed to buy the ticket, and everything worked out. And then I got to grow from experience thinking how little my faith was. I needed some revelation. God, I need some revelation. we got to talk. I mean, you got plenty to go around. These two guys, how about me having some? And I realized it was only through reckless abandonment that I could ever have that kind of thing. If I don't step out, if I don't trust God, how am I ever going to see God work? You know, the, the big thing that Jesus said to this guy, and he wasn't a Christian, so, you know, put it in context, remember? Everything has to go in context. So he says to him, you know, here's this guy, and he's doing well. He's got a big barn. He goes, man, it's been a good year. I'm going to get another barn, build another barn, get another barn, get another barn, 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 right? I got barns everywhere. I got barn everywhere. Barn, barn, barn. Look at me. I'm the barn guy. And then the message comes, you fool. Do you not know this night your soul is required of you? And all he could think about was the earthly, physical world. He couldn't think about the eternal, spiritual world of reward. And he lived his life in the natural world versus the supernatural world. And if he'd have just stopped long enough, think, wait a minute, the barn may not be that important. What, God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? And let God work. So Scripture is replete with those kind of references and those kind of truths. So God's got some stuff he wants you to dig out, and he will show it to you if you just give him a chance. Um, let's go on to, uh, if you can, to chapter 4. Okay, we're going to move a little quickly here through here. And page 80, page 80. He talks about putting, putting revelation into practice. I can't give you an illustration of that. This is the um, second new paragraph. It starts with, that's, call, that's called putting revelation into practice. Got it? Okay? You see, renewing the mind is not merely reading words on a page and having a moment of revelation about that particular verse. That passes for renewal of the mind in many churches, but at best, that's only half the equation. Renewal comes as revelation leads you into a new experience with God as those people had in that day in South Africa. And you can go back and read the story. I'm sure you probably already have. You may have a moment of inspiration while reading the Bible or listening to someone preach from the Scripture, but without taking the next step into the experience, the process stalls and there is no renewal. Jesus put it like this. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they that testify of me. This says clearly that revelation is meant to bring us into an encounter with God. 
So whether it's that first encounter of salvation or that those subsequent encounters of God, God wants to speak to you. And guess what? He's speaking. Do you see the television show in here right now? You see it? But there's a broadcast going on in here, right? And we, we actually have a receiver here. But we don't have it turned on. We don't have it tuned in. So it's black. This is what happens sometimes. It's, it's you know, a lost person is just unplugged. Right? Christian, it's plugged in, but it's not turned on. So God's transmitting signals, and it's plugged in. It's Everything works there, but we don't turn it on. We say, yeah, I don't want to turn that part of my life on. I want to turn on this natural world. I want to function in this natural world so we don't get the message that God wants to say. He's broadcasting 24-7. He's revealing stuff 24-7, but we're not seeing it because we don't got it turned on. Revelation is never given to increase our head knowledge. Hey, let me tell you what God showed me. No, that's not what it's about. Revelation should always result in transformation, right, of someone around you or yourself, but never ego, never pride. should always allow the Spirit of God to transform something, to change something. Um, we are probably also smart in biblical things that we could drown in the flood of information. Some theologians read the scriptures 12 hours a day and have no clue about the kingdom of God. My professor at Oxford had the entire New Testament in Greek and English memorized, and he was not a Christian. He was an atheist. It was all academics to him. He didn't believe one word of it, not one word. I remember saying to him one day, and I was, you know, I was the, you know, the American who could say anything. The Brits were much more proper. But um, I said to him, he's talking, and I'm going, you know, I don't even think you're saved. He goes, yeah, whatever term you want to use, that's fine. Well, I said, do you believe? No, I don't believe. Why would I believe this? This is just another book from antiquity. This is just another, you know, historical book. Why would I believe it? So the problem wasn't information, was it? Problem wasn't knowledge, was it? What was the problem? Yeah, no revelation, right? In John chapter 1, it says Jesus is the true light coming into the world, enlightens every man, but not every man is lit. In other words, I have the ability to see God and I have enough light to draw, be drawn toward God, but I don't get lit. I don't get saved. I reject the revelation of God. I don't accept the revelation of God. In Matthew chapter 13, um, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He starts talking about the parables, and he says to them, um, they're kind of shocked. They go, why are you speaking in parables? He never did it before. We just think he was like the parable king, right? Day one, you know, he's 12 years old, coming out of the temple, you know, saying goodbye to the parents. He's telling parables back here to the guys. No, no parables. Starts his earthly ministry, no parables. Baptism, no parables. It doesn't, it's not until you get through chapter 12 of Matthew that he tells his first parable. And they go, why are you telling parables? He said, for, because it's for you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom, but it is not given for them to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. What was the difference? Heart. They didn't want the mysteries of the kingdom. 
They had already built up all the walls of what God couldn't do, so they knew God couldn't do that. Couldn't be him. Had to be somebody else. What walls have you built up that keeps God from speaking to you? It might be this wall. Well, I don't think God will speak to me because, you know, I'm not that good a Christian. So? I don't read that. That's not what it's about. Well, I don't know that much of the Bible. So? Learn more. But that's not why God doesn't reveal. Just how about something really simple? God, I just wish you'd start speaking to me. Would you just speak to me tonight? I just really believe you want to speak to me and reveal yourself to me and reveal truth to me. And I know that that's that I'm I got all the I got all the right instruments for that reception. And I just start listening to God. I start letting God speak. His spirit is in you for a purpose. If all he wanted to do was get you to heaven, he could have done that without the Holy Spirit. He said, OK, you're mine. He, wanted to, he gave you his Holy Spirit to empower you and to reveal himself to you, to comfort you, to encourage you, to bring spiritual gifts to you. All those things is why he did that. The goal wasn't to get to heaven. I, sometimes I talk to guys, I go, well, what's your goal? Well, I just want to get to heaven. Well, that's about the, that's about the cheesiest thing, reason to get saved. It is. That's low-level stuff. Okay, let's go on here a little bit more. I want to give you a couple more things, and then I'm going to uh, turn this over. Um, I thought this was a really good point. It's, uh, it's called uh, page 81. It's kind of revelation with feet. And he goes on, on page 82. He says, uh, those young people put practice to the revelation of God's power to heal. When God reveals things to us, we must put those things to work. If we don't, we will lose the power and opportunity that revelation offers to us. Okay. He goes down here. He says, but when a person hears the word but doesn't understand it, the enemy has open access to the seed and can snatch it away. You ever, you ever, you ever been in church and God spoke to you? Just kind of one of those little nudges. And you said, I'm going to do that. And you didn't. And that same kind of moment of, let's call it inspiration, revelation, it, you kind of forgot about it. And then you go six months down the road, I remember God kind of spoke to me about that one time, and I got to do something about that. I got to act on that revelation. What happened to it? The enemy's coming. He's just kind of snatching stuff away from you. He's discouraging you, or you're, you're just, you know, neglecting what God has done. And I just think, you know, hey, act on it. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to turn to your neighbor again. Find a neighbor. Okay, some of you have to look a little harder. Okay, but find a neighbor. Okay, and I want you to just say, hey, God spoke to me on this time this way. Or you can say, hey, God really hasn't spoke to me yet on that, but I'd sure like, him, like for him to. Don't be embarrassed to say the latter, but let's just go ahead and just share with one another, okay?
All right, let's uh, sound like God's doing some speaking through you. That's great. How many of you have met at least one new person since you started school of ministry? Raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Community is a, is a really, really important part of what we do, and it's one of those great benefits that goes along with just being in community and being in a room where it's so tight. You've got to talk to somebody, right? Okay. Page 87, and this is going to be um, top of the new paragraph. Can you imagine Jesus telling blind Bartimaeus, this blindness is a gift from my Father to make you a better person? And yet that's the approach that many Christians take or most Christians take. They don't understand healing because they have no experience with it. They have not put the revelation into practice. I've grown so tired of people praying for blind people and asking God to open their eyes of their heart. That's safe, right? Okay. The problem is not with their nat- his natural eyes. The church doesn't know what to do with the blind people or anyone with a real affliction. Part of what holds us back, and I thought this was so good. I don't know if you've read this yet. Part of what holds us back is our concern with being excessive. We don't want people to think that we're religious nuts. We fear excess much more than we fear lack. Just underline that little phrase there. We fear excess more than we fear lack. Better to have the guy stay blind than somebody think that we're religious nuts. I mean, that kind of rings a little true. Am I wrong? I mean, in practice, at least, that's what happens. So many Christians avoid the subject of healing. You've probably heard a brother or sister say, you should read this book. It's really good, but be careful because that guy has some strange doctrine on such and such a point. People love to add warnings. But has anyone ever given you a tape or a book and said, this guy's teaching is great, but be careful because he's never raised the dead? Cancer doesn't leave people's bodies when he prays. No, because... Uh, No, because as a body, we lack experiential understanding of the revelation of healing and the supernatural. Isn't that interesting? I thought it was just a really interesting thought. We give the warnings, but yet we don't warn people. Yeah, be careful. That guy, he prayed for a bunch of people and they got healed. Watch out, because he's got this over thing over here. If I'm blind and somebody prays for my healing, and I see, do you think I really care if he's a religious nut or not? I don't care. I don't care if he's pretty or ugly when I open my eyes. In fact, I don't know what pretty and ugly is if I've never seen anything. You look pretty good. Oh, no, you don't anymore. There's another guy. Um, but, but you see what I'm saying? Let's err, If we're going to err, let's err on the side of trusting God, not saving our own personal dignity. Amen. All right, I'm going to have Tammy come and talk to us a little bit about the renewing of the mind and this uh, transform- transformation that comes from Christ. Tam? Is everybody good, good? Okay, how many of you feel like you're a minister? I mean, we're in school of ministry. How many see yourself as a minister? Okay, I mean, do you? Okay, what is a minister? Someone that ministers. So what does that mean? I mean, you, see, you say that because you're a nurse, and so you minister to someone, or do you see yourself a minister of what? Minister of the gospel? Minister of kindness? Minister? We are in school of ministry, right? I mean, that's why we're here. We've committed to six weeks or hopefully three years or two years or whatever you've committed to because we're trying to step into ministry. So if we tell you you're all called to be ministers, you're like, okay, I can receive that. I'm not sure what that is. 
right? I mean, that's probably why a lot of you are here. You want to be a minister. You want to understand what that is, but you're here because you want to step into that. Okay, what's the title of the book that we're reading right now? Okay, the what? Okay. If we stay in the natural, we're never going to see the? That makes sense, right? So let me just give you a natural thought. Some of you have seen this. I know we've used this analogy sometimes. Tina Conkins used it. But let me just ask you something. And I love the book. Um, if you've not read it, it's really, really good. Uh, Who Switched Off Your Brain by Carolyn Leaf. And she is a neuroscientist who has made some great, and this is in the physical world, so this is really important. This is what your brain looks like on toxic thoughts. This scientifically is true. If we take an MRI of your brain and you are systematically thinking toxic thoughts, this is what your brain looks like. It's dead. It really is dead. There is no life to it. But they have scientifically proven, and this is with MRIs, so what they did was they, they took someone in through an MRI and they just fed them positive thoughts, happy thoughts, positive thoughts, good thoughts. And as they watched their brain, literally leaf-like proteins began to grow on their brain. Because whatsoever man thinketh, so is he. So in the physical realm, if we think toxic thoughts and we think the lies of the enemy, I'm not good, I can't be here, I'll never graduate from school of ministry because if you know what I do during the day, I probably shouldn't be here anyway. Okay, that's a toxic thought. And so you come in here and the supernatural realm you can't receive because you already in your thoughts think you don't belong here anyway. You maybe think by osmosis if you come in here and get around enough Christians or get in around enough of the good people, maybe it'll rub off on you. That is a natural way to think. A supernatural way to think is to move into the destiny of the supernatural and the super realm of the natural. Amen? And as we've been talking the last couple of weeks, walking through that supernatural door, as you say it, you decree it, you declare it, you see it. Isn't that true? So we begin to think about these toxic thoughts and ask yourself right now, what all those are those toxic thoughts keeping you from the supernatural realm? Because that's what they're doing. So you need to think right now, what are the toxic thoughts keeping you from receiving the natural realm that's right there for you to receive? I don't want it. I don't believe it. Many of us don't believe it. That is the truth. We've conditioned. Now I want you to think about what presupposition you've come from in your theological background. We've heard, we've heard some of your stories. Mine is the Baptist story. Love my Baptist roots, so I know the word of God. I was raised with it, grew up with E.E., e., understand evangelism but never really touched on the supernatural. Had a few experiences during the Jesus movement. A lot of people, you know, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and a lot of people were filled with the Spirit, and I wanted that, and I hungered for that. And I really have hungered. That's my story. I've hungered. Maybe that's what you're doing right now. You're hungering for the supernatural. What's happened in this church is supernatural. When people walk in here and they say, I sense something in the spirit realm, they don't even know what that is. When we have Muslims coming in and putting prayers in our prayer wall, there's something drawing them and they don't even know what that is. That's the spirit realm. I want you to have a revelation tonight. So I'm going to take you through an exercise, if you've never had a revelation, to have a supernatural revelation tonight. How would you like that? Okay, I want you, because with revelation comes more revelation. You know, I was thinking, you know, with um, how many of you are mothers and you remember when you first gave your baby that solid food, right? And then you tried to put him back on baby food and what they do? Spit it out. Because once you've tasted the supernatural, you'll never go back. 
Now you might go back in your flesh, but you long for the supernatural again. Once you've tasted the divine things of God, nothing else satisfies. I know I've spoken with some of you who've shared your stories with me. I know I just talked to Teresa not long ago, and she had a supernatural experience recently with her surgery. Had the same conversation with Kim. I think Mike had a supernatural experience when we were just in France. He's different. There's something. Once you've tasted the supernatural, you want more of it. Amen? Okay, what I want you to think right now, I'm going to ask you a question. In your natural, actually close your eyes. I want all distractions. I want you just to kind of walk with me through this experience right now. I want you to go back in your mind, and I want you to think of a time when a parent, a loved one, maybe a, a godparent, um, a friend, someone that you trusted as a child, someone that you trusted as a child, you, um, you trusted that they were going to be there for you. They trusted in your mind right now that when you woke up, and I was thinking when I did this exercise, as a child I trusted every morning when I woke up there would be food for me. I knew that my mom would be making breakfast or in the winter my dad always made oatmeal. And I got that visual picture today in my mind. In the natural, I trusted a human being for something. I want you to get a picture of that right now. What was that as a child? You trusted maybe uh, another one could be, I trusted when I went home there would always be a warm bed for me. Okay. Maybe it was I trusted when I went to my papa's house, he would always hug me, and I remember the, the warmth of that hug. Now we're talking in the natural realm. Or I had a sister that I could always tell my secrets to, and she always hugged me, and I can remember that. Can you feel that in the natural right now? Everyone, whole, everyone in here has to have one. Something that you remember in the natural realm. So for me, if I think of that in the natural realm, I think every day that I woke up, I always smelled breakfast. There was food. There was f food prepared for me. My earthly father did that for me. So as I had this exercise today and I was walking through it, I said, Heavenly Father, would you give me a supernatural revelation of what you have for me? I want to move from the natural world into the supernatural world. And all of a sudden, he said to me, I feed you with the word of God. And there's never a day that you wake up that the word of God is not there for you. Can't you just smell it, Tammy, as we talk and we read through the word of God? And every time you read the word of God, isn't your spirit aroused? And don't you just feel warm as you draw close to me? And then I thought about every day as a little girl, I would go and I would always go to my bed. My bed was here. It was my bed. It was warm. I felt safe there. And then I moved into the spirit realm and I said, God, can you show me in the spirit realm what that means? And he said, Tam, I want you to know every time you come to me, I give you rest. You don't have to worry about the cares of the church or all the people's problems or whether the church is going to make it. You don't have to worry about your relationship in your marriage or the relationship with your children. I give you complete rest. Now I have moved from a natural experience to a supernatural experience. And God has just given me a revelation from a natural experience, because one thing that Bill Johnson says, he said, you might have knowledge of something, but until you move into the supernatural realm and it is an experience, you haven't received a revelation. The reason I want to activate the exercise of revelation in your life right now is once you begin to understand what revelation feels like, you will long for more revelation. Does that make sense? 
So once you've had an actual experience in revelation, you're going to start asking him for more revelation. Bill Johnson says, you cannot afford to think a thought that is got not God's thought. You cannot afford to think a thought that is not God's thought. If we talk about renewing our mind, and it's really interesting, keep your mind just with me a minute. One thing that Dr. Carolyn Leaf says, she says that the average person, you can look at me just for a minute, we're going to go back to that visualization in a minute. The average person has 30,000 thoughts a day. 30,000 thoughts a day. That's anywhere from 16,000 to 65 for the most active minds. And 78 to 84% of every thought you have every day is negative. That's scientifically proven. 74 to 82%, 74 to 80%, every single thought you think every day is negative. And most of it is in the way you think it. I can't do it. I'll never do it. I wonder if it'll happen. Will I get there on time? Oh, my hair looks bad. I mean, somebody gave me a compliment, and I gave her three reasons why I was talking her out of it. Okay, well, not really. I just got my hair straight, and I really don't like it. I don't like this Brazilian thing, and really my bangs are kind of too curly today. And, and, and we do that. We try to talk people out of good. So someone says something good to you, and it's so hard for us to, to, to uh, receive it because in the natural man, we think negative thoughts. Okay, now here's the interesting thing. She goes on to say that 78% of what you thought today were the same thoughts you thought yesterday. Because we rehearse the same thoughts over and over and over. Now, a lot of those are the same. What am I going to eat today? What am I going to wear today? What time's the alarm time? So some of the same things we rehearse. Meaning, if I don't change my thinking, I will not change my results. Now, if that is in the physical realm, how much more is it in the spirit realm? If I don't change the way I think and my presuppositions of what I think about God growing up in the church, what I've thought about crazy, charismatic people that do weird things, Right? Are you with me? Or whatever yours is, whatever your spiritual, you know, picture is of God, if you don't change and enlarge that thinking, you'll never get out of that box. Does, does that make sense with you? So now if I can go back in and activate that revelation. You know, I love revelation song. I'd love to hear or to sing it again sometime. Give me revelation. Just give me revelation. And so I've started saying that every morning. I say, I walk through that door and I say, give me your eyes today. I can't even tell you the things I'm seeing I've never seen before. I literally, and he talks in the book about how you'll have, I think Watchman Nee talks about, I'll be able to discern. Remember the chapter on discernment? I'll be able to discern things. I can tell a lot by your behavior, your attitude, your actions, your vocabulary, your responses, all right, the condition of your heart. I'll be able to discern that when I have revelation. So I believe that we need to activate revelation in this church so I'll have a sense. I really sense something is going on. It's not a sense in my flesh. If you're operating in the flesh, I pray God shuts you down so fast and exposes you and reveals the motive of your hearts. How do you like that? <laughs> huh? But when you're operating in the spirit, it's attractive. It's supernaturally attractive. Everybody wants it. We talked about last night, the spiritual warfare with women of influence. When I'm, active, when I'm acting in the spirit realm, there's a spiritual attraction that people want to be around it. When there's an anointing over you, people want to get close to you. All the bugs want to be around the light. There's a light in you that people, it's not me. It's not, okay, all of a sudden now I've studied more, I've read more. Um, I believe what it is, I've released more. Because the more I release, the more he has in me. So when I get up in the morning and, 
I love my walks. I've got about a four-mile little walk I walk every day. And what I do, man, I'm singing. My hands are, I'm the crazy lady, right? And I'm loving it. I'm just asking him to fill me with the spirit, to expose what needs to be exposed, to show me the, my heart, and release in me. So th use those words. You need new vocabulary. So I wrote down some words in my book, you know, the books that the words that I want to use. Um, activation, revelation, the mysteries of God, reveal me to me the mysteries of God, give me discernment. So those are words that I'm praying over me. Now all of a sudden, I've had a shift in me. There has been a shift, and people have said, you, you've really changed. Uh, many of us have changed. The way we act, the way we respond, we've changed. Why, because I'm really working hard at it? No, because the less of me and the more of God you see, that's the change you see. Does that make sense? Okay, so a couple of things I want to share. I think these are really, really good. I want to give you a little exercise here. So I was writing this down. Um, how many, anybody have an experience that you went from a natural realm into a supernatural realm just now? Like when I asked you a question, what was someone, what was something, a natural experience that you had and you could revert that over into the supernatural? Okay, Drew. Mm-hmm. approach him yeah and it, you see what he's doing he's activating revelation he's going to the father asking the father to give him a picture that that because we are we have a human dimension to us and when we have those basic needs met of love and acceptance the supernatural realm that is a revelation and now what will happen is you'll be looking for more revelation you'll be looking for that in people's lives begin to give someone a word of knowledge or give someone a word of encouragement because we're asking the supernatural realm to be open we're asking the heaven realm to be seen. Does that, does that make sense? That you've got to start with those shifts where you're moving from the natural realm into the supernatural realm. Anybody else? Can sustain that, yeah, 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 the distractions, yeah, yeah, and then you move yourself back into that realm, that's what you do, I mean, it is a constant release of the spirit, that's the name of the book, constantly, so what you do, Ted, is you get back in that moment, you go, wait a minute, God, give me your eyes again, give me your eyes to see the people, 
right? And miracles happen. A couple things, I love this. Um, go beyond your comfort zone to see God work. So part of your comfort zone is going to always put up those borders, okay? The borders where this doesn't make sense to me. Until you get uncomfortable in the spirit realm, you're not going to see God. Until you get uncomfortable in the spirit realm, because then it's going to be you and your ability and what you can do. Until you just get out there in faith and go, make a fool of me, Jesus. Make a fool of me, Jesus. I think I told the cop, I just got to finish telling a quick little story here that um, on, I may have said this on Sunday morning, but I received um, a Facebook message from a young girl, and all it said is, is God real? Just this instant message, is God real? And so I Facebooked her back, and I said, yes, he is real, and he loves you, and he has a plan for your life. And she says, I don't believe he's real. So I checked to see how many friends I had with her, and the only mutual friend was Phil. And so I said, do you know this girl? And he goes, no, I I don't know her. So she must have just friended us, and we accepted her. And so for the next few 20 minutes exactly, we went back and forth. And finally I said to her, would you like to meet? Well, I've got this reason and that reason. Can't meet Monday, can't meet Tuesday. I said, could you meet Wednesday at 10 o'clock? And she goes, well, okay. So I get home last night for Women of Influence, and she says, I'm sorry, it's not worth meeting with you. I really don't believe there's a God. If there was a God, he would help me. And right then I got angry in the spirit. I mean, it was a good righteous, and I thought, so I, I right then got back to her, and I said, you are asking for God to help you, and he is sending you free help, and you're saying no. I said, I'm a life coach, and I'm giving you my free time. So don't say God is not trying to help you. You're not willing to receive his help. So you can say no to God all you want for every single person that's trying to come. I'm writing this whole thing. And I said, so if you change your mind, I'm willing to meet with you, but don't ever tell anybody God wasn't there for you. A few minutes back, I get, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then a few minutes later, she said, can we still meet Wednesday? So we're meeting tomorrow at 1130. Not a Christian, doesn't believe. But I think, there. you know what, I, I'm kind of a people pleaser. And that was really hard for me to be that strong with her. Part of it was, you don't think I got something to do with my life but to meet with you? I mean, I was thinking that in my flesh, and then I realized this girl's going to hell at this point. Okay? And so I think what happens is it was revelation that gave me the insight how to respond to her. You with me? The closer you get to the Spirit of God, the more revelation he's going to give you on how to respond to people. Doesn't mean that we get walked over. There's times you have to stand up for Jesus, right? There's times that you've got to know what to say. That's a discerning spirit. And these are things we're trying. We're all, this is kind of new for a lot of us, kind of new talk, new thinking. We're asking for revelation. We're asking for discernment. We're asking for the supernatural realm. We're asking for dreams and visions. God's given me so many dreams and visions. I can't write them fast enough. Okay? Phil has shared with our staff the vision that we believe for the next five years. It's a supernatural vision. Only God could do that. That's a vision God's given. I believe if you're not afraid to ask him, if you're not afraid to ask him and wait patiently, you're going to start seeing things, but you've got to activate it. You've got to activate it. Um, I want to give you this last thing, and we're going to conclude with this. As I was writing this this afternoon, as I was praying, here's, here's what I believe God said. And you write this down. In this, in this ex- exercise, we're going to go back to it. First, you've got to believe. First, you've got to believe, and that's ask. Okay? So you've got to believe, and that's ask. Next, you have to conceive, and that's look. You've got to conceive of a matter, 
I'm, that means I'm looking for it. Look, you have no idea the visions I've got coming in my head. I mean, this, this place is going to be so busy and so full of people, we're going to be parking up and down the street, all right? I've conceived that in the spirit realm, and then I have to receive it. Then I have to receive it. Some of you may have heard, and Pastor Phil and I both use this analogy, he's a great man named Man Manly Beasley, and he was kind of our spiritual mentor back when we were first saved. And he had a workbook called the Faith Workbook. And here's what he says in the workbook. He says, you've got to believe it's so when it's not so in order for it to be so. I used this last night with Ashley, okay? You've got to believe it's so when it's not so in order for it to be so. And that was his definition. For the life of me, I tried to memorize that definition. And I kept getting the so's mixed up. In my mind, I couldn't. I'm 21 years old, and I can't remember this. And then I have my first child. And I'm in, intense, I'm in, I'm in the hospital, and we give birth, and within three seconds of giving birth, they whisk him off to an intensive care, and they've told me that his lungs have collapsed, and they don't know if he'll make it through the night. And then they take me into um, the recovery room, and I'm laying there all by myself. Um, we're young. We're in seminary. I'm alone. And the thought came to me, was my, one of my first spiritual encounters with God, I was 21 years old, and the Spirit of God said, do you believe he's healed? I was all by myself, didn't have Phil with me in there. The Spirit said to me, do you believe that he's healed? And then it came like the Spirit of God just whispered, you've got to believe it's so when it's not so in order for it to be so. The nurse came at that moment, and she said, we don't think he's going to make it through the night. If he lives tomorrow, we'll bring you a picture of him. I haven't even seen him yet. I have still have that Polaroid picture when he was in ICU the next morning. And then she left, and he said to me again, you've got to believe it's so when it's not so in order for it to be so. I had to believe it was so when it was not. The nurses told me he wasn't going to make it. Here's what I really believe. I believe I exercised the first time in my life faith to see my son healed. I believe that Jeremy is healed because I exercised. It wasn't my faith. It was my first time I really believed God could heal. Okay? You have to believe it so. I don't know where you are in your faith. I don't know where you are in your revelation. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. But you are where your belief is. Do you want it? Do you want to activate that? Do you want to see the supernatural? Are you walking out every day through that supernatural door saying, show me what you see? And then activate it. Don't be afraid to go up and ask somebody. Don't be afraid to go up and pray over somebody. We're all stretching. We read these stories from Bill Johnson. We these stories. Will you walk up to somebody that's got a crutch and say, can I pray for you? I mean, that's what we're hoping to do by the end of this class, you know. Send you out and activate you. Just say, can I pray for you? Are you willing to risk it all to see a miracle of God? Where are you in your activation? Let me just pray over you. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we know that this school of ministry was ordained by you. God, we know you want to activate faith in all of us. You want to activate the spirit realm. You've taught us that there's an open heaven. You taught us in the prayer that is the Lord's prayer. It's your prayer, Jesus, to us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed praise, adoration be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth. And Father, we don't see sickness in heaven. We don't see ill will in heaven. We don't see divorce in heaven. We don't see struggle in heaven. We don't see fear in heaven. We don't see loneliness in heaven. We don't see anger in heaven. Father, would you bring heaven on earth? And God, I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would give revelation just as I'm praying right now. There are people in this room right now that need revelation. They need to know you and they need to see you. Would you activate in the spirit realm right now? And I'm going to ask you right now to see yourself in heaven right now. How do you need to see yourself? Do you see yourself right now in a better relationship in your marriage? Do you see yourself right now with your children walking with Jesus? Do you see yourself right now being accepted by the beloved? Do you see yourself with power? Do you see yourself doing miracles? Do you see yourself with confidence? Do you see yourself healed? However you see yourself right now in the spirit realm, I want you to see yourself like that now on earth because that's bringing heaven to earth. And until you exercise that faith and until you activate that revelation, you will struggle in your humanity. You will always be in, exactly like Watchman Nee says, until you can be broken to be released, you're going to struggle with the humanity of your mind and your thought. So, Father, we ask right now, I believe you've assembled this group, every person here, they're here by choice, but they're here by divine revelation. You have something supernatural you want to teach everyone in this room. So, Father, between now and next Tuesday, I'm going to ask, I'm really just going to step out on faith here. I'm going to ask that this group would begin to activate their faith, that there'd be a few in here this week that would come back next Tuesday and say they had enough courage to walk up to somebody in a wheelchair and pray for them. They had enough faith to go up to a child who was rebellious and pray for them. They had enough faith to see themselves in the spirit realm healed. Father, we pray you would activate our faith so we would be a school of ministry that would see the supernatural. I also pray for my new friend, Rich. God, we pray for healing over him. I just want to pray for the manifestation of the miracle, for the manifestation of the miracle in his life. God, that's why we're here, not to talk about it. We're here to see it. So we pray for healing and the manifestation in, in his life and many other people that need to see miracles. We believe it. We receive it. We walk in it. Time's too short not to, Father. Would you activate that spirit in our life in Jesus' name? Amen. Thanks, Tam. Hey, um, everybody. Thank you for being here. One announcement. Sign up for this. Second announcement. See Nathan for the retreat, read the Bible through in eight hours. <laughs> if, you, um, if you're hesitant to go on it because you can't get five days a week, uh, five days off to do that, uh, Nathan has modified his schedule a bit, and it's now going to be three days, four days. If you get out there and grind him a little bit, you'll get him down to three. Um, and anyway, go see uh, him. He'll give you some details on the way out. There's a table there to sign up for that retreat. It'll be great. It, it, it does come with three credits to the school. So that's, uh, that's a pretty easy way. All you have to do is read the Bible. All right? Hey, we love you guys. Have a great day, and God bless you.